our listeners, this is Janine. And Stephanie. And this is The Course of Course, episode 62. So, Steph, we haven't been on mic for a while. I do want to talk about Maria Felipe's book, Live Your Happy. I know that you were at her book signing and her book premiere, so can you give us a little background on that? Maria Felipe's brand new book, Live Your Happy, Get Out of Your Own Way, and Find the Love Within, has been a very profound and mighty book. The nice thing about Maria... Now is she used to be in the WWE, right? She was a hostess for the WWE years ago in Miami. She definitely spent 18 years in uh, modeling and acting, and that was one of the things she did. And now she is pretty much living the course, right? She is a minister at the Unity Church in Burbank for A Course in Miracles, and she hosts a lot of Spanish-speaking groups, which is beautiful because it's just spreading the love across cultures and languages yeah and she's a pretty amazing woman i i did read her book i thought it was lovely and charming and you know it was really fascinating because we don't get a whole lot of glimpse behind the scenes of people who may be in the public eye and i know that there are quite a few people who probably recognize her name from the wwe a while ago she's here now and this book is just been released and she's going on a book tour to 58 cities, so you can check out her website. I think it's mariafelipe.org. For me, going to her weekend, which was also the same weekend that our Finhorn friend, James, who created with his wife and I think one other person, they are the leaders of the Miracle Choice game. It is a card game and a board game, and then they just recently did a pocket edition. So it was his first time in the United States. He was here in town that same weekend, so it was a real charge of a power weekend for A Course in Miracles in Southern California. We got to hang out with Cindy and Jackie and G. Patrick Miller, who published Disappearance of the Universe. It was so charming to finally meet him. And here he's now an agent for all of our favorite authors instead of on the publishing side. And he was one of the people who inspired Maria to write her book. So on a whim, she just kind of took him up and wrote something really profound. So I I think some of the highlights for me had to do with love. Like, what is love? When you look out in the world, most people experience love because they have children or they have a spouse or they have parents or they have people in their life that show or demonstrate love. And so I was kind of on this quandary of what, how would the Holy Spirit present love in this false world so that I could experience it since I'm single and have never experienced love, except for like through my mother. I feel like I can be love, think love, extend love, but to feel the love part, you know, that's, you, a, that's a deep quandary. Are you talking about romantic love or are you talking about just love in general? Love in general. I think as society, we're kind of conditioned that it comes through love is demonstrated through romantic love. Yeah, I agree. I think we get sort of mired in it, actually. I have a friend who's sort of going through a breakup, and she's having all those feelings that I think we've all experienced when you, you know, kind of been in that concept of love, that attachment of love, and some might say the fantasy of it. And then when it doesn't quite work out, then, you know, you go through all these stages of grief and she's definitely going through that and watching her do it. I can't help but remember all the times I went through that and how sad it was 
But the reality is love shouldn't be sad. I mean, it's about loving somebody, which is really loving yourself. And once you get that, I don't think the sting is as sharp. Sometimes we get so immersed in the other, we forget that the other is us, kind of reflecting back. That's a tough lesson to learn, but I think once you get it, you get it. Actually, it's interesting that you say those words because by the end of spending four or five days with my Finhorn friends, I felt love, like my question that I had asked myself and kind of quandaried with him playing through the Miracle Choice game and through Maria's book when I was wondering, like, how, do, how can you measure love in the world when it's not romantic or from your children or your parents? Like, how else can love come up? But, you know, you know how when people, like, when you see Jackie or Cindy or Maria and they just ooze the love because they know it. They experience it through the God side of things. It's not a worldly thing. So that's kind of what I was trying to get at was how can I feel this love without it being an intellectual thing? Right. Like a, a pure feeling as opposed to getting yeah. your head involved with it. And they said the course is about removing the blocks to love and that it's an experience. So I have been meditating more. Good for you. To rest in God. So you were talking about James has some sort of game. What is that about? Yes, it's a it's for sale, by the way. I think you, people could maybe get it on Amazon. But if not, it's the MiracleChoiceGame.com. And there's different cards in here. It's based in A Course of Miracle. It comes with a dice. There's miracle cards. There's identity cards. There's choice cards, relationship, needs, and, so, and the body. So you have a question and you can either play it by yourself if you have the pocket version or if you have the board game you can play with I don't know maybe four to eight people it just takes time you know so everyone has an issue a question and then you roll the dice which really makes it like it's been scripted out that I'm supposed to roll this four you know and pull a card then that relates to four and that's identity and then you pull any card you want out of that stack and you read the card. In this particular instance, it says, this particular place has so much positive energy, I never want to leave. And the miracle choice could be my experience of places and people is a reflection of my choice for the positive or negative in my mind. So you would relate that to your question. And everyone does that by rolling the dice. And it's just a way of going deep and kind of looking at stuff in a new way. So it's fun. Did James from Findhorn, and Findhorn for those listeners is actually in Scotland, right? It's a similar nature garden research center to my Paralandra or Sirius where I used to live. Although they're very open, Findhorn. They have a university there. They do all kinds of green programs. They have experience week. They do programs in other countries. They're well established, I would say. Did James create this game? Yes, he did. Pretty impressive. I love finding new, like, fun things to explore within the course. Other than the big, thick blue book, which we both have, and I'm sure many of the listeners have the course, it's always nice to have other kind of avenues in which to explore the course. And I think James's game, which is really a card game, I think, with dice, right? Yes. It is very easy to understand. Yeah. 
experience. You have to think about it. To adopt. So, <laughs> so James was here in Los Angeles, and you went to hear a talk. Was it about the game itself? He was giving a presentation at the Mystic Journey Bookstore here in Venice mm-hmm. to present his games kind of to Los Angeles. And we had a good turnout. We have about a dozen people there. That's great. And everyone, of course, was familiar with the course. We broke into a couple groups. Some of us played with the pocket edition, and some of us played with the board edition. So it was like a little gaming yep. gaming excursion. It was. And then right after that, you yep. went to Maria Felipe's book signing? Yes. We got the, the pleasure of carpooling over with Cindy and Jackie. So we had been together at the Mystic Bookstore for James's event, Jackie and I. So we just figured, why not all go in one car to Burbank? Why drive separately? Talk about being around some very powerful people. You were right in the That's middle why of the, it. It was like a love fest. I mean, we danced <laughs> at Maria's party and on tour with the book. She's also doing the happy dance. So if you go see her at a Unity Church or a bookstore or a library, you too will get trained in the happy dance. Mm-hmm. Dance, mm-hmm. be happy. That's right. So I found one of those quotes from uh, Maria's book I wanted to read. Oh yeah, go ahead. That I am, I am the love of my life because I am God. So you know how you were saying, like once you learn internally that you are love or whatever, then I guess everything shifts. I guess I'm, I'm still not there. You know, I'm still struggling with. I can think love. I'm the love of my life because I am God. So it's like if I'm God, I can I can get that I'm of God or I'm from God. But to think that I am God and I'm trying to get that communication going where I'm getting more guidance because I want to listen and strengthen the Holy Spirit's thought system over the ego. As Jackie says, it just steps back. It steps back a little bit. The ego just steps back. It's a muscle, man. You just got to keep working it. I feel like I've been very inward lately, trying to grind this stuff into my mind to undo it. You know, I was in a meeting this morning, and my ego sort of got kind of like tweaked because I was with somebody else in a a meeting with my boss, and this somebody else, a a male, um, which is a bit of an issue for me, Um, I... I'm very good at what I do. I've been doing it for a long time. I feel like I've got all these bona fides, these credentials. And Mm -hmm. some guy who's much less experienced than I am, but a male, started kind of saying things to me that my ego was like, what? You know, how dare you talk to me that way? I thought that was really fascinating for me to be able to kind of look at it objectively and be like, "Uh uh-oh, rein it in rein it in it's okay you clearly know more than this person does but is it necessary to make a big deal about it so it was kind of like observing what was happening and reacting but also kind of like tempering because I felt like I was going to spring into action like how dare you I'm smarter than you and I've been around for a long time you know Mm -hmm. but I, I was able to hold back because I was able to recognize, uh oh, this is ego kind of like coming alive within me. It's taking. That's a- beautiful. That's true forgiveness. Well, you taking, did it in the moment. It's taking a while for me to get there because usually my first thing is to react immediately. And I had a friend, you know, I think I mentioned who's going through a breakup and she's not quite there yet. And her 
emotional reaction has caused a challenge in her personal life. And I think it's important to talk about this because those of us who are in kind of romantic relationships or work relationships where our ego starts to get the best of us, we start seeing kind of like the quasi-destruction that happens. So in this instance, hypothetically, I would get upset with my significant other and he might say something that kind of riles me, like pushes my button. And my reaction might be to shut him down, like, oh, forget it. Let's just end this right now because you clearly don't care about me. It's like watching that from kind of like an observer perspective, it's becoming very mm -hmm. fascinating. You know, like, hold on, who's in control here? Is it the ego that's in control or is it the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit that's in control? It takes a while and it takes a lot of self-discipline, in my opinion, to get to that point where you can pull the lens back and realize what's happening. Now that I'm mm -hmm. starting to see it within myself, and you know, I will admit I'm not great at it, I feel like I'm still very much a novice, but I'm very good at recognizing that in other people. So mm. I think we all feel this, right? It's easier to give advice to others than to take it for ourselves. So I was mm -hmm. watching this unfold with a friend of mine and I thought, oh my gosh, how can I help this person? And I realized that even that is like my ego, like, oh, I know so much, I can help them. But the reality is the most I can do is sort of help them become self-aware, not for me to kind of educate them on what they're doing wrong. Well, maybe you should do this, maybe you should do that. <laughs> I think that's kind of a knee mm. reaction, at least for me, it has been. I think our, our, our always way of being is to fix things. Let me help you fix this. Right. Like we I'm can just figure it out together or I'll you. tell you. you. Right. Like, let me just take care of you. It's going to be okay. As though I have some special elixir that I'm going to hand this person so they can swallow it and it will all be better. The reality <laughs> is it has nothing to do with me. But you right. know, our egos get in the way. And we think we can control things and make things better, et cetera, et cetera. But the reality is we're only as good as who we are. I keep getting these words, stop, look, and listen. It's yeah, like we have yeah. to stop in the moment. We have to, like, listen to this chaos because the ego is always speaking first. And stop, look, listen. And then just slow down and be like, okay, now when I'm still, I can hear the higher self guide me. When I've said this before, I think my ego really finds its way into my work life. I think that's where my ego kind of has a playground and I have to keep reining it in. And just like anything, like, like with diet and exercise, it's a matter of practice. How can I continue to practice to get this under control? I will vanquish this. I will. It's just, I feel like I have this amazing opportunity in the work milieu to be able to say, okay, here's another opportunity for me to take control of it. I think I'm getting better at it. I would like it if I just get the lesson and I don't have to go through this all the time. Sometimes it feels like an uphill battle in kind of a workplace. I also think it's interesting that I have such a strong masculine kind of personality in such a very feminine petite body. So when I'm, <laughs> so when I'm at work, it's like my physical persona kind of belies the strength that I have and when the strength comes out sometimes and I know women tend to have this experience they they maybe come across as being a bitch or somebody who's like really hard and I don't mean it that way I mean it to be strength but I yeah find it feminine strength yeah that that from the Janine lifetime that I chose to be a female and I keep having these 
ego experiences in the workplace. And then they get very upset when a man, a masculine person in authority doesn't give me the credit I feel I deserve because I don't have the strongest, deepest voice in the room. And somebody else who doesn't have as much experience may have a kind of like a stronger quote unquote persona, but not really have the experience to back it up. And that kind of stuff really bugs me. It happened to me today. <laughs> so it's like constantly mm-hmm. trying to step back and go, okay, what's really happening here? Just another opportunity. It's another JAFO, another, just another mm-hmm. forgiveness opportunity. Yeah, I guess maybe the fact that it keeps repeating is just, I'm going to get this once and for all. Right. And yeah, I am grateful comes for up. that, this... but I will become more grateful when I get it and I don't have to keep repeating it. You know, at the beginning of the year when they talk about seeing everything the same, so, you know, I'm always trying to do that as well. But in Maria's book, she had a little sentence of, we share the same love, mm-hmm. which is kind of another twist on that. And that was, again, another big thing I was trying to pull back into love. What is love? How do you measure love? Well, we're all the same love. But I think the the ego is always, it's just the design of the world. Like, it's always going to keep hacking at our door trying to take us off center and make us seem separate but when we get that we're all the same and we can just see the screen and like you said be the observer and just kind of pull back the lens and be like okay all this stuff is happening yeah my first thought is this person's doing something to me I gotta fix it or I gotta tell them that I really do know what I'm doing or whatever the story is. It's almost like we don't even have to figure it out or we don't have to know why or anything because it's coming from the ego. There's no sense in it at all. And just remember, it's just something on the screen. It's all the same. It doesn't matter. And just forgive it. Yeah, just forgive it. I mean, it's so simple, like in words, you know, (laughs) but it can be so challenging sometimes in the moment. Definitely. I uh, am going through a bit of a life change. I, I mentioned this before, I think, in earlier podcasts that I'm relocating to Texas. I purchased a well, I'm in the process of purchasing a house in Texas, I'm relocating for my job. So in that action, there's a lot of dominoes that are sort of falling for me. Like I have lived in Los Angeles for 17 years and now I'm, I'm moving to a state where I don't know anyone. Although I know kind of like cursory a few people at work, but I really don't have like a support system. So I have done this before many times. We both have actually. We've gone to a different city where we haven't really had that kind of a network and we figured it out. It's just been a long time since I've done that. I actually lived in, in Edinburgh, Scotland for a while. And many, many different cities in the United States, as have you. It's just a little different Mm -hmm. this time. I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like taking this journey. I'm a little older now. It's something that I feel like I need to do. It's going to be. Well, it's an investment in your future. It totally is. You know, I will admit I'm a little nervous about it. I'm, oh, for sure. I, I wouldn't say scary. I'm not scared. This isn't a fear thing. It's just anytime you have routine, your ego takes over. So you're, it's like this false sense of control. We don't really have control in that sense. But for me, it's like I'm so used to a certain routine and being around the same people in the same location. And now I'm kind yeah. of like going into the void 
felt like I'm going to <laughs> a horrible place, but it's just brand new for me. It's one of the reasons why, listeners, we have gone over to more of a Skype way of podcasting to allow Steph and I to still be together with you, but in different cities, where before we would sit on a couch and talk into a wireless microphone. Now we're talking kind of a little bit uh, at a distance. But the nice thing about this is we are able to expand kind of like our reach theoretically worldwide. So I know that we had met Aya, uh, who lives in Japan. I think it'd be interesting in the future if we can maybe loop her in and conference call her. I'm really fascinated by, yeah, like people in different parts of the world who are exploring the course and kind of get their take on it what they're doing, what they're up to. We have talked before about, I think, Bruce Rawls. It would be great to have him on. Obviously, Mikey Lemieux I love Bruce. before. We would like to have him on. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly Gary and Cindy and perhaps David Hoffmeister. There are so many people. Jackie. Jackie, Jackie. absolutely, that we can bring into the fold on the course, of course. I think this is going to sort of break us open to become truly a worldwide podcast as opposed to you know a small one um kind of emanating <laughs> from, butthead. yeah from, from, from right, California, the living room. you know now we're kind of like in different states and possibly different countries can I give a plug for Jackie's true forgiveness teachings yes. uh twice a, every week on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 3 30 to 4 o'clock pacific uh on blog talk radio okay. is her giving a talk on a subject so sometimes she'll have a guest like she's had Bruce on there a few times and she's had uh, Cindy on there a few times. And Maureen Maldin was one of my favorites. That's how I learned about Maureen was through Jackie's podcast. I'm trying to find some of the subjects, but I had, I listened to one this morning in the car. Oh yeah. One's like removing conflict, living above the battleground. That was with her sister, Cindy. Another one is the dreamer of the dream, observing the ego without judgment wakes us up. Removing conflict. We did that one. Branching of the road, choosing between yourself and an illusion. You had mentioned when she had Maureen Muldoon on, I think she was the one you said that she kept saying the mantra. Maybe it was her father who was saying it. I'm the luckiest man in the world. Yes. I love that. And you know what? There are times when I'm having a tough road at work. I actually repeat that mantra. I'm the luckiest woman in the world. That's great. It makes me happy because the way she told the story was mm. so uplifting. And it's just like, yeah, you know, Jay's got my back. I'm the luckiest girl in the world. I love like, There's nothing to worry about. Nuggets, you know, there's little things where you go, <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. I can apply that in my life, too. And then I also want to talk about uh, Rooted in Peace, a documentary that I helped work on. It's now out and about. And what is this and documentary? In, I was going to say, what's it about? About? <laughs> Rooted in Peace is a film by Greg Reitman and his wife, Britta, and it's a journey starting with Greg being in Israel in a kibbutz, and they start getting bombed in the Gulf War bomb, Kuwait stuff, and so he kind of has this PTSD that stems up, and so he starts looking, like, how can I deal with this that's going on in me? How can I find peace? And, you know, people usually are looking outward. And then eventually he learns he needs to go inward. And so he talks to different experts in the field, such as Donovan, uh, who's a musician, and Mike Love from the Beach Boys, because they were really big into meditation. Um, David Lynch runs one of the foundations, I think, for transcendental meditation. Mm -hmm. He also talks to Deepak Chopra, Ted Turner, 
there's a bunch of other great people in there talking about the organic food movement and how important even just the vibration and the quality of the food that we eat can have an effect on our being. You know, imagine just eating fast food and sugar all the time, how their body's going to operate versus someone who's eating organic and lots of vegetables and fruits and things that even I should be doing and I'm looking at. So um, there's the movie also covers war and how it's expensive and how it really kind of messes things up. Anyway, it's an uplifting film called Rooted in Peace, and it's now available on DVD in Whole Foods Market around the country. Please buy a copy. It's great to know. And what is your involvement in this movie? I'm an associate producer, and I helped Greg with the editing. And we did lots of different versions, like the international version or the TV version or the airplane version or the educational version, the feature film version, the Blu-ray version. We had lots of different versions. So they had different running times, and we had to figure out what was the best material to tell that story. You are quite the storyteller. And I think our audience knows this by now. You are actually a producer, so not just of animation. Well, that's my first actual real producing credit besides just my own little projects, which are fun, but. Oh, sure. Well, yeah. I'm a big fan of the Stephanie producer credits, so I want everyone to <laughs> go like out and more. Rooted in Peace. Uh, it's available at Whole Foods in DVD form. Do you think that it will be available from a download perspective? Definitely. It's um, on the website. I think if there's people who don't live near a Whole Foods, you can just download it. Yeah. It's rootedinpeace.com. Perfect. And there's a trailer so you can watch it. It's so great being back on mic with you. Let us know if you have any questions, if you have any suggestions. We would love to hear from you. And as we move forward in time, it will be great to have more guest speakers with us and those who would like to talk more about the course. And we want to sh- give a shout out to Mikey at giddyupmikey.com. He is the host of the next Gary Renard and Cindy Laura Renard workshop in Ashland, Oregon. It is in August 19th. And we, Stephanie and I, will be there. So it will be great to see those of you who are interested in the course who are in that Ashland, Oregon area or up in the Pacific Northwest. We can't wait to see you and we can't wait to attend that conference. And tickets are on sale now for that event. $95 per person, which is definitely worth it. And they're also doing a book signing afterwards. Even better. And I think Gary had said before, he loves taking pictures. So if you're there, I'm sure he will be thrilled to sign a book and take a picture with you. It will be a great time. I'm looking forward to it. That's August 19th in Ashland, Oregon. Well, thank you, listeners. Again, it's been an absolute pleasure. We can't wait to bring The Course of Course, Episode 63, to you in a few weeks. Stephanie, thanks again for being there with me, and have a great evening. Thank you. Good night. Good night.